Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Plato's Republic Book 10 contains a very interesting discussion bearing upon who actually has knowledge of the objects that we want to discuss, compare, judge, and perhaps create and use. In this discussion, Plato is once again reinforcing the point that imitative artists, by this he means in particular the poets, but this would also include painters, sculptors, those who are engaged in any of the things that we call the fine arts, don't really know much about what it is that they are depicting, so that they are not good judges to be relied upon in questions about what is, for example, good or bad, right or wrong, beautiful or ugly, in a real respect. Now, Plato's argument, the way that he's presenting it, would seem to be open to some counter-objections that might arise from Plato's own other examples that he uses. And we'll come to that in a bit. But first, let's get the basic idea down. Plato tells us that we have three people involved in this sort of relation. We have the person who is a producer of an object. In this case, he uses the example of somebody making equipment for a horse, like a bridle and uh, a bit, you know, the, the reins. We could have a saddle maker. We could have anything that we like. Person who, sh you know, shoes the horse. And then we have the user, the person who actually rides the horse and presumably has a basis of experience. Then the third person involved in this is the artist who is depicting this. What does Plato have in mind here? So think about Homer, the great poet, the epic poet who wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey. And if you've read either of those books, think about the many passages where Homer seems to be showing a kind of expertise in all sorts of matters ranging from generalship to our, you know, craft production to medicine to divination, all of these, Plato says, could be looked at as involving a producer who is doing something, some sort of effect or object that is supposed to be produced, and then the person who it's supposed to in some way benefit or be used by. So if we think about, you know, divination, Homer, you know, tells us, well, you need to mix together, you know, this amount of blood and this amount of barley meal and this and have these incantations and then you'll be able to talk to dead people, right? Homer is the artist and presumably there were in fact people who were carrying that sort of thing out. And in this case, the judge or the user would be the person who commissioned them to, to do that job. Plato uses the example of the equipment maker, the horse person and the artist depicting it. Or he has another great example that fits really well here, flutes, right? You have the person who makes flutes. You have the actual flute player who plays the flute, who uses the object created. And then you have the artist depicting how a flute ought to be made or how it ought to be played or, you know, whatever it else it is that they're doing. Perhaps it's a painting of a guy playing the flute. I mean, flute might mean something like this as well. Or perhaps it's Homer telling us about this beautiful flute playing 
done over here, carried out by using this wonderful flute that was made in this, this or that manner, right? So this is what Plato has in mind. What he tells us is that there is some knowledge possessed by each of these people, but not all of that knowledge is relevant to the object itself. What does the producer actually know? The producer knows how to produce that object. They have a craft knowledge, what we would call techne, right? So a flute maker actually knows how to bore out wood, or if, I guess if the flute is made of metal as our flutes are now today, they know how to cast it. They know which ways the little keys ought to be, or if we're thinking about a recorder, right? You know, how far the holes should be spaced apart from each other, all that sort of business. The user, Plato says, actually possesses more knowledge than the producer. How so? They know how to use that thing. They know how to make use of it, and they know what ought to be the case in order for that use to be successful. And Plato here says that they know that from experience, so they can judge the object. So if the flute player sends over a flute, the user can take a look at it and say, that one's not going to be very good. Let's send that one back. Or they can pick it up and say, well, feels right. Start playing it. And they're like, uh, you know, this one is sharp. Send it back. Similarly with the horseman, right? The equipment maker knows how to take the leather and the metal and turn it into the equipment that, you know, controls the horse. We can say the same thing about a saddle. They know how to take the leather and do something with that. Talking about, you know, shoes, know how to create the shoes for the horse, how to put them on them. But the user is the one who is the judge of whether the job ultimately is done to standards or not. And so they inform the producer. The flute maker says, hey, I need flutes that can play a little bit louder. I'm having trouble, you know, getting my sound heard over these, these drummers. They're making too much noise over here. Figure out a way to make the flute louder. And then the flute maker says, ah, okay, interesting problem. What can I do with that? So that's all at this level, right? Producer, object, user. What about the mimetic artist, the imitative artist, the one who depicts the object, perhaps even depicts its use? Do they have any knowledge? Plato says, no, they do not have knowledge about what counts as good production or what counts as good use. They might happen to stumble upon it, but there's nothing that guarantees that they know what the hell they're talking about or depicting. And we can see this all the time. Think about not only Homer and talking about how this is done, this is done, this is done. Think about fiction in our own time where you read it and you're like, this person clearly doesn't know anything about what it's like to be on a factory floor today. Or another great example, think about reading some sort of romantic or erotic literature and having the reaction of, well, clearly this person doesn't actually know how human bodies come together in sexual ways to enjoy themselves. You know, uh, We might say the same thing about some artists, some visual artists. Another great example of that say on the sexual thing, think about love scenes in movies, right? Completely unrealistic <laughs> or even worse in television because they have to meet certain standards in order to be able to be on the air. Now, those are kind of silly examples, but you get the, the point. The artist, there's no guarantee that the artist knows anything remotely about what they're depicting. They do have a certain kind of knowledge though. The painter knows how to mix colors, 
and how to depict the appearances of things. The writer knows how to talk about stuff. You might think about advertising as an art in this respect, trying to talk up the benefits of the object in ways that may not actually reflect anything real, anything true. They're just all about talking about appearances. So Plato thinks that this is a good reason to think that the artist is, yeah, once again, you know, several removes from the real things. The artist is not giving us a sort of an unvarnished access to reality, but is actually concealing reality from us. We need to go to the equipment makers and the users to find out what is actually the case. Let's think a little bit more about this argument that Plato gives and look at the scope that he says. He, he talks about the excellence, the beauty, the rightness of every implement, every object that we create, like reins or a vase or a camera, every living thing and every action. He says, do not the excellence, the beauty, the rightness of every implement, living thing and action refer solely to the use for which each is made or by nature adapted. So presumably, you know, if you think about the human body and the human mind, we are also of that sort, but we could talk about animals, plants. We could talk about the wind. We could talk about all sorts of other phenomena. Each of these has some sort of use and we would want to look at who is the actual user. Now, in some cases, we can't say that we have a producer, not in the same respect as our, you know, technical production. You can say, of course, that you are a product of your mother and father getting together and having sex, but that's not the same thing as producing a camera or producing a chalkboard, is it? Or even producing a lecture like this. So this is a very wide scope. And we don't always have a producer, so that's a bit of an issue for this. But we might also think about some arts where Plato thinks that the, these people really do possess knowledge, like medicine, for example. And is it really the case that the producer has in a certain respect, less knowledge or less capacity for judgment about how things ought to be than the end user, the patient. Perhaps this argument doesn't work quite so well for that. So this might show us one of the limitations of this passage, this idea. We could still, very important distinction to make here, we could say that in some cases, this doesn't hold up, this higher level of producer, object, and user, with the user being the person who informs the producer, since, you know, for example, in medicine, it's not always a good idea to have the patients telling the doctors what to do, although you do need patient input, right? But we can say that the artist, the one who is depicting it, the person, say, writing for a television show about doctors, is probably not as good of a judge as an actual patient or a real doctor. A great example of this would be the actor who was in commercials. I think it was for perhaps Anison. It was for some sort of painkiller. And he would say, I'm not a doctor, but I play a doctor on TV and I recommend this particular pain medicine for you. Now, at best, that person is an imitative artist. There's more than one imitative artist there. There's the actor, the director, the person taking the video, the writer, and all of that. But none of them necessarily know anything about medicine or the object of it, which is healing. And if they have been users, they've been users, you know, just like the rest of us. And that may not necessarily translate into them having any genuine knowledge. So there are some limitations 
references to this set of concepts and distinctions, but none of them actually go against Plato's notion that the imitative artist is still several more removes from reality than are the producer and the user of whatever it is that is under consideration. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.